some things I look back and, you know, you look back five years ago and you're like, man, when I was doing that and putting out some of those reports, I was really good. And you look at it now and you're like, man, that was terrible. <laughs> right. Like, like right. how did, how did people buy into that? But that's how we got started was really just leading from one thing to another, measuring, trying to better understand, ask more refined questions. Hello, and welcome to the Physical Preparation Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Robertson, and I'll be joined online later today by Tyler Williams of the Los Angeles Rams. Now, before we jump into this week's episode, quick recap of the week that was, a little insight as to what is new in my neck of the woods, but let's start with the most important thing on the agenda today, and that is a shout out to all the fathers that listen to the show. Love you. Appreciate you. Uh, the world would not be the same without you, so keep doing what you do. Uh, I can tell you my life is immeasurably better since I became a father. I wouldn't say wayward up to that point, but definitely naive as to what was important in my life, chasing arbitrary goals, whether it was financially, professionally, and having children definitely just kind of helps center you and helps you rise. Man, there's a lot of things that are way more important in life. And I would not be the human being or the coach that I am today without having Kindle and Kate in my life. So while it's awesome to be celebrated and to have a day that's all about us, just know that that we feel the same to you. So if you're listening, you got a dad, make sure you let dad know uh, he's awesome. You appreciate him on this awesome day. So Father's Day, what else is new? Baseball season is over. We played one tournament game, took the loss the other day. Saturday night we played, it was 5.30 in the evening. The temperature said 95, but they also said it felt like 102. So if there's a meme of somebody standing in the sun and just turning into a puddle of sweat, (laughs) that's kind of how I felt. Boys played well, just ran into a better team, and, you know, it stunk. But I think all the boys on the team got much, much better over the course of the season. I saw huge improvements in Cade with like his hand-eye coordination, with his knowledge of the game, You know, knowing when to tag up when there's a fly ball, watching him throw the ball. So that was really fun. Um, ready to, for that guy to take a summer off and get back into some soccer in the fall. So baseball is over, but we did sign Kindle up for some, some summer soccer, mostly because it's very informal. They're going to play once a week, but the big deal here is since she's in third and she was in third and fourth grade playing 7v7, she gets upgraded. So when she goes into fifth, sixth grade, they go up to 9v9 and they play on a bigger field, bigger goals. So really, I just wanted her to see that and to feel that before she gets into the fall season because otherwise, you know, you get out there and you're like a deer in headlights. And it's funny as my kids are going through all this stuff, it reminds me of you know, my own youth and and growing up and some of the things that I experienced. And I remember going from eighth grade or from seventh grade baseball to eighth grade. And in eighth grade, they let you play up. So now you're playing with a high school team. You're playing on high school fields. And I remember the first game we played at was at like Marion High School, which is a huge high school about an hour north of where I grew up. But they had like in-ground dugouts or like true like sheltered dugouts. I mean, a huge field. The guy that was pitching against us was throwing like 90 mile an hour heat. I was about to pee my pants standing up there, you know, <laughs> watching these balls come in. So I think just experiencing that in a relatively more relaxed setting is definitely helpful. So excited to get back out there with Kendall and some of the girls. <laughs> Feel a little bit like Groundhog's Day because we literally just finished her her spring soccer season like a week and a half ago. But Again, it's just such a laid back and relaxed atmosphere. I'm kind of looking forward to it and hopefully she is as well. So that's kind of what's new. Nothing exciting this weekend. Went up and saw Jess's dad. It was his birthday. So I got to spend some time with him. Did all of the usual things around the house. And then this week, man, I think I mentioned this last week on the, on the little show intro, but man, coaching is is really, really fun right now. I love summertime at IFAST because I've got all my basketball guys back got all my college kids back. It's just a lot of fun, man. Just fun training groups. And I don't know what it is. I don't know if I'm just seeing things better. I don't know if it's some of the stuff that I pulled from Bill's model. I don't know what it is, but I just feel like I'm at a new level 
as far as the way I'm coaching people, the things that I'm seeing. Maybe it's more clarity on what I want to get out of stuff. And so just having a better understanding of how people move, of how I want movement to look, of how I want to clean things up. I mean, I'm just, I'm having success in, in very short periods of time with people that who, who in the past I've struggled with or who are very complex. Maybe they're very compressed or they've got this really massive anterior orientation or they've got a couple layers to it, right? I got some people that are really pushed forward, so I need to shove them back. But then when you actually do that, they've got great range of motion. So you don't want them to go too far into a squat or a lunge because then they just get buried down there. So I just feel like I'm at a really good point right now. It's a lot of fun. And I feel like, man, some of these athletes are really setting themselves up for some success in the fall or whenever they get back onto the field quarter pitch. So, man, that's what's new with me. Hope everything is great in your neck of the woods. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to talk about this awesome Bulletproof Knees online coaching program I'm getting ready to drop. And then we're going to jump into this awesome episode with my guy, Tyler Williams. Are you tired of struggling with sore or achy knees? Is knee pain keeping you from performing the activities you enjoy, either in the gym or just in life? And would you like to build a set of pain-free and healthy knees once and for all? If so, let's talk about my Bulletproof Knees online coaching program. You see, almost 15 years ago, I released my Bulletproof Knees manual as a resource to help people restore their knee function and get back to living their lives. And even though people were still purchasing the manual and getting great results up to a year or two ago, I decided to take it off the market because it no longer reflected my current approach to knee health and knee training. But it seems like lately I don't go a single day without coming across someone who is in or has had knee pain. Some are elite level athletes in the NBA, MLS, or NFL who need to perform at the highest level day in and day out. Others are simply gen pop folks who want to train pain-free or be able to play with their children or their grandkids. And that's why I'm taking my Bulletproof Knees coaching program and I'm taking it on. Because when done well, this is a scalable training system that can be applied to virtually anyone regardless of their goals. Now keep in mind, just because I have principles that underpin this system, this is not some cookie cutter program where everyone gets the same watered down training template. When you train with me, you're getting a customized and tailored training program that is geared towards your body and helping you achieve your goals. So if you're interested in getting your knees moving and feeling great again, please send me an email at mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com with the words bulletproof knees coaching in the subject line. I'll get back to you with all the details and we can get started as soon as you're ready. But please don't wait as I'm only taking a select number of clients in this program. Again, send that email to mike at robertsontrainingsystems.com with the words bulletproof knees coaching and we'll get started ASAP. Tyler Williams enters his 15th year working in the Los Angeles Rams Sports Medicine and Performance Department and currently serves as a Director of Sports Science. Tyler previously served as an Assistant Athletic Trainer at Fontbonne University in St. Louis from 2006 to 2007. Williams holds a master's degree from California University of Pennsylvania, earning a performance enhancement specialist certification. He completed his bachelor's degree in exercise science, emphasizing athletic training at Truman State University. In this show, Tyler and I talk about load management, or maybe more specifically workload enhancement at the NFL level. We talk about the hurdles and obstacles he had when he started and what he would change about the process today. We talk about the need for both collision communication as well as shared collaboration. And finally, we get an insider's look at the tech they're using with the Rams these days. But even if you don't have an NFL budget, we talk about the low-cost tools and strategies Tyler would implement if he decided to work with a high school football team on a shoestring budget. There is a ton of great insights in this episode, and I really think you're going to love it. But enough for me. Let's do this. Tyler, man. Thanks so much for coming on the show here today. Really excited to chat with you. Could you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, Mike, thanks for having me today. Really appreciate just the opportunity to speak with you today and, and your listeners. 
Uh, grew up in the Midwest, uh, grew up in Missouri, uh, went to a small division two school, Truman State University, yeah. um, and then got an internship with the Rams uh, right out of school. Nice. And, uh, and then transitioned into sports medicine. So that's kind of where I started. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. Now, talk to me because I love backstories and I love career yeah. arcs. So let's start yeah. with what got you into the world of physical preparation? What got you excited about all this? Gosh, that's probably the same story as almost uh, all of us in this profession, right? Like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a, a professional baseball player, professional basketball player. And then yep. between genetics and, and 5'11", <laughs> <right>, landed <laughs> yep. me right down the road of, yeah. of, hey, let me get into sports through sports medicine. Let me get in through sports performance or strength and conditioning. So um, just always interested in sports. Anything to, I think we all grew up trying to gain a competitive edge. Yep. Right. So it's like anything we can do to improve that performance by 1%. So that's what I kind of chased after. I love it. I love it. Yeah. And it sounds like, I mean, dude, I always joke around and I tell people, especially young coaches that listen to this, like, hey, man, listen, the first job isn't going to be your dream job. But it sounds like, I mean, literally right out of school, you took an internship and got a job with the Rams. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting story. Uh, sent sent my resume to all 32 teams. Okay. Uh, my sophomore, sophomore year as undergrad. And, you know, got just being a local kid in St. Louis, uh, got an opportunity to interview for an internship for training camp. So got that, went in, worked as an intern at training camp, went back to school, asked if I could come back, would work over Christmas break, travel back and forth a little bit. Uh, they had kind of an older staff at that point in time. So they needed just some grunt work. Right. Yeah. And I said, if I could get in the door, you know, work Sorry. my tail off and just try and never leave. And here I am today. And so, I did three training camps in a row and, and some of it's just timing, right? Like yeah. I got a training camp internship, uh, did three of those. My first year as a seasonal worked at golds as a personal trainer, worked at a high school and worked with the Rams just to try and make some things go. Yeah. Uh, and just kind of grinded that way into then, then the timing just kind of set right where they're going to add a staff member. And so uh, a lot of it's timing and, and hard work. Yeah. So, but you knew, it sounds like you knew like the NFL was like a very high priority for you, right? If you, if you took the time to, to send something out to 32 teams, you knew that was a path you wanted to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely wanted to be involved in pro sports. Uh, love the NFL one from the schedule side, you know, one game a yes. week, you kind of can find this, this weekly rhythm that's just dialed in nice. Um, and, and then it's a high profile, high contact sport. So I also knew there was going to be some, uh, interesting opportunities to deal with unique injuries or rehab some guys back to back to their field of play. I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. So, I mean, let's not dance around here. Let's just jump right in yeah. because I would yeah, love right. to hear your definition of what load management is to you. Yeah, yeah it's a interesting buzzword going around the last yeah. you know five to seven years, and it's hard. Like, I, I really like the term workload management. Yes or workload enhancement, right? Like load management is coaches are crushing this. Hey, I, I don't want the sports science. I don't want the tech. I don't want the analytics. I don't want the load management. Like I want my guys, right? Yeah. And so that's kind of their investment and they want the best return on their investment. So I always like to have kind of that workload um, enhancement kind of uh, connotation to it because it really should just be a process to enhance your intended outcome. It shouldn't be, hey, how are we pulling back? It should be, hey, how are we building them to handle X? How yes. are we building them to improve to X? Um, how can we achieve breakthroughs? The same thing in the weight room. Hey, how can we push through plateaus? How can we set new PRs? It should be the same thing, right? Like the last time I checked, the only way to increase your proficiency at a sport is to play the sport at a high level. Yeah. So if you go out there jogging around, whether it's soccer, basketball, they're not game-like reps. So yep. you're really doing activity without achievement. I love that. I love that. And it may yeah. sound like semantics or wordplay, but you're yeah. absolutely right. It's like the connotation that you put on it, right? Or the spin you put on it. Because I know if I'm a coach or if I'm an athlete, I like the idea of workload enhancement. Oh, you mean I can... I can do more or like resiliency. I love that term too. Yeah. Big yeah. buzzword in our industry versus just load management now has this negative connotation of, Oh man, you know, you just, yeah. you need to sit out a game or you need to take a couple of nights off. Like the spin that you put on that, I think could be really powerful either in a positive or negative sense. 
Yeah. And it's a lot of, it sounds cliche and I'll probably have multiple different things I'll probably say throughout the podcast, but we live it right. It's yep. simplicity and we live it. Yeah. So I love yeah. it, man. So when yeah. you, when you first got started in this space and you started dealing with load management, what were some of the hurdles or the obstacles that you dealt with personally? Gosh, um, easy. Um, having a, a coach that has success and saying, Hey, I've always done it this way and been successful. Why would I change? Right. Yeah. Um, another one of, of players not feeling like they want to be tracked. You know, I had a linebacker used to mess with me and take his GPS and throw it over the fence. So I had to go <laughs> chase it down. Right. And just, <laughs> just, I mean, it's, it's tough and, and it's new, right? It's new technology. It's different um, stuff that people just aren't comfortable with. Yep. And some of it is just the, the, the new territory of not understanding or not knowing that world and so I think for us, um, and some coaches too, would say, Hey, I can't, I, I feel like I can't get enough work if we're planning it like that. Right. But really what you have to do is be able to prove to them that, Hey, you can actually get more quality work. Yep. Right. Like, Hey, we know squats can get your lower half really strong. We'll go squat 14 days in a row and, and let's see how that works out. Right. Like right. there should be an intent identity to what you're trying to do, just like they are tactically, there should be a physical identity. And so it really boiled down to, you just simply can't improve what you can't measure. Yes. You know what I mean? And yep. so it's like, and it's funny, we've had some coaches say, Hey, you know, I'm a little nervous on the sports science stuff. And this is coaches in the past. I said, well, that's cool. We'll just scratch off all the numbers in the weight room and just guess, right? Like it's all it is, is like, it's the same way you do tactical things, same way you do business. It's you want to dial that bullseye in to make a more accurate decision. That's it. Yeah. So how did that discussion go? Like you said, you've got this coach and, and we all know like coaching intuition, there's something to that, right? Like a lot of times coaches can't yes. tell with their eyes, especially these older guys, they've done mm -hmm. it for a long time, but how do you broach that discussion of, Hey, look, man, I know you've had success. Maybe we can use this to just have a little bit more. Like how did that discussion go down? Yeah. I think we've kind of kept a, um, a really good balance between practice-based evidence and evidence-based practice. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. Like within your setting in your gym or somebody else's team, like no matter what the lab or the peer reviewed literature says, like what you're seeing is what is truth at that moment Yep. to a certain degree. Yeah. And so, because you can read a study on, you know, Joe Schmo and their group of athletes, but if their athletes are totally different from yours, you have to trust what your guys are doing and what they're measuring, what they're outputting. So for us, it, it's, it's really education on the front end yeah. to understand that. And, um, and from a coaching side, we really pushed the envelope to say, Hey, let's build, not pull back. So we approached it with some coaching staffs first of, Hey, here's some guys that are underprepared mm. and we want them in that window of success. We don't want athletes that are underprepared. We also don't want athletes that are fatigued. So if those kind of end of the spectrums are your 10%, we want to stay in with that middle 80. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so we said, Hey, here's a group of athletes that are underprepared. Let's work harder here. And then they said, really, you want us to push these guys harder. And so we said, yeah, let's push them harder. Let's implement some interventions, get a better intended outcome. And, and then they were way more receptive after that to say, Hey, dear, here's a couple guys we need to pull back. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. And, and then it became a balance. Right. Yeah. So, no, I love that. And that I yeah. guess I hadn't thought of it so much like that because so often we think when we hear load management, it's those 90 to 100% guys, right? Either the guys that are getting a lot of minutes, they get a lot of reps, they do a lot of extra work on their own, right? And that's part of what got them there, but they have this mindset, yeah. I, I have to work, I have to work. Yeah. So I love that approach of, no, 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 like here's our our bottom uh, of the pyramid, so to speak, or these bottom athletes you don't obviously want to relay it quite like that. But right, like, right. These guys could be well served by getting a little bit fitter or by getting more reps in. And I'm sure the coaches are probably like, yeah, let's go. Right. It's just, it's the same thing, right? Like you have so much capacity. You want to be able to tap into that at any point in time to, to produce the best um, outcome for the identity of that exercise or the identity of that drill on the field. So it's the same way. Like if you go in and you lift and you're not kind of programming and periodizing your lower to your upper, right? Like you're only, you're going to put a governor on your lower half, what you could put in the, and it's going to diminish your intended adaptations. Yep. So it's the same thing for the field. People have been doing sports science forever. They just didn't really realize it, right? You've been right. doing it with programming 
And so now it's just become a little bit more enhanced through tech, but it's really just trying to match your, your intended identity with the outcome you want. I love it. I love it. So talk to me about the education side of it, because I know that's yeah. something that's big to you. And I feel like, especially just with the newness of all of yeah. it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Okay. Like you said, yeah. Coaches have been tracking and we have been monitoring things, but not to the level that we are now. So how yeah. do you go about educating the coaches and the athletes that, Hey, look like this really can be a valuable piece for you. Yeah. It's, I mean, education is the key to player and coach buy-in and yeah. you have to have the buy-in to get the max effort that you want when you're testing guys and make them feel like they're not getting tested all the time. I, it's a slippery slope, right? Because all these technologies promise, Hey, you implement this technology. It might be expensive, but it's going to decrease your injury rate. Well, last time I checked, it's just not a plug and play system yep. like that, right? Like we've, we went down the HRV road. It wasn't right for us in our sport. We thought it would be great. Um, some of these technologies, I made the analogy before it's like the ring toss game at the carnival, Yeah, right? Like you can win these big stuffed animals, but at the end of the day, I see a whole lot of rings flying, but I don't see a lot of people walking around with those big stuffed animals. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So it's right. Kind of, and so it's kind of like you really have to start with education and make sure you don't lead the cart before the horse with the tech first. So I really believe in like a flywheel of um, education, communication, then innovation. Okay. Because if you're doing it in that process and let that flywheel run, you're you're really being process driven over yeah. results driven. And you're finding out exactly what question you want to answer, where your gap is, and then what tech can match that gap. As opposed to going the other way around, I feel like you want the sexy new toy, you want the tech, so you implement that, you get it in, you start measuring it, but you don't have a process to it. So now now you're going the other way. You're trying to communicate the tech without the education, and it's it's messy, and and it's complicated. Yeah, no, I get that. And I've actually heard of, you know, through some of the athletes that I've worked with where they're in an environment where they're getting tested a lot, but they're not getting feedback or they don't understand yeah. why they're doing things. Yes. And so it actually works to the detriment of the entire system, right? Because then they're like, well, I don't know why I'm doing this and I don't feel like it's helping me. So now they almost resent it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. And it's the same thing. Like, right. If, if I was getting tested every day and, um, or I'll relate it to like financial systems, right? Like if I was, if I never got any feedback and I was giving my financial advisor a bunch of money, I'd be like, Hey, you know, I'm not gonna give you any more money. <laughs> right. So it's the right. same thing with our athletes, right? Like we really take time to sit them down individually or in small group settings and put a PowerPoint together and create a multidisciplinary uh, presentation for them to under better understand why we're testing, where we want them to go. And just using that measuring to enhance that exercise prescription or that process. And, and they love it. And we make it, we try and the hardest parts, finding those analogies yeah. that are super simplistic. Cause one of the most difficult things in our world is taking very complicated things and making it simple. Yeah. Right. Like we use in our performance world, we use the McDonald's concept Hey, we got to make this McDonald's concept. It's got to be simple burgers and fries, but it's got to be better than anybody else does it. Right. And, it, and that's like, and that hits home because that's, if they understand if the athletes gravitate to it and, and they receive it, then they, they're going to give you better intent and, and they're going to maximize it. So now you've got more players on your team that way. Yeah. No, I love it, man. Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned earlier, but buy-in and why it's so critical to not only have the players, but the coaches that are both buying it. And granted now, you know, a lot of yep. times coaches are already kind of plugged in or sometimes athletes have already been exposed. But what insights or feedback do you have for someone who wants to implement data tracking or sports science into their program, but is worried about that buy-in factor? It's mm, a good question. Um, how we started was, I mean, I think you have to fail forward. You have to be not, you, you can't be scared to fail yeah. because inevitably tech's going to go wrong. Um, I think everybody wants to say, Hey, I'll do this, but I don't want to be wrong. Like you got to be vulnerable enough to raise your hand and be like, Hey, that didn't work. Right. Right. But the way I kind of approach it is as long as it's within a safe framework and it's not going to either hurt a player or hurt our process, I'll kind of try whatever. Yeah. Um, because that's the only way you're going to come across the things that are new that work. Um, but, but you really have to get a lot of parties involved. It can't be, egocentric, one person driven. Hey, I controlled the data. Hey, I, I helped our team get better. 
Well, if you're going to raise your hand and say, Hey, it was, it was me with my process. Like when things go wrong, you should be like, Hey, it was, uh, it was me that, uh, right. right. Yes. So, so I think creating the buy-in is, is first getting your performance staff on board, then getting your coaching staff on board and, and really educating people on the front end. Yeah. Um, and that's how we started. We just started collecting and, and not worry about getting results too fast. I mean, we spent the first couple of years tracking from a on-field GPS standpoint before we made any decision of change. And, and then going backwards, you know, the way we were collecting in the first year was, was terrible. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. so you find things that were, that were pitfalls in your process. So you want to make sure that that's kind of tested poke holes, tried and true before you're, you're making an intervention with your athletes. Yeah, no, that's so smart. And like you said, I know, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Dave Tenney, but Dave worked in yes. the soccer space. Yeah, I yeah. love Dave. Yeah. yeah. So Dave's Great. an amazing guy, but I just remember years ago, he was doing his Sounders sports science seminars. And Dave was like, look, before we're going to use any piece of data to help make decisions for us, we're going to yes. use it for a full year. And I just yeah. thought that was so like pragmatic and smart yeah. because, oh man, we love this. We want to use it. And 30 days in, like you said, you don't know what's working, what's not. Is it giving you the answers that you want? Like, yeah. is it reliable? Like there's a yes. lot of stuff you don't know yeah. if you haven't taken the time to yeah. sort that out. And you're also going to really, all the information you get off these measuring devices or technologies, it's going to enable you to ask questions you never thought you would have asked. Yeah. So it's going to give you insight to different information, ask better questions. And I remember going to one of the sports science seminars with Dave Tenney. I mean, he's a mentor of mine back in the day that yeah. when I got started and there was a guy, this was before the Nordboard came out and he's like, yeah, every week we're, we're, uh, we're doing isometric hamstring strength with blood pressure cuffs. And pushing against a blood pressure cuff and just tracking it over time. Right. I was like, man, it's just so smart. Like for us getting into the sports performance and workload management, we wanted to get into it because we found players were having some injuries that we felt was avoidable. Yeah. So instead of like being a mass, a mass unit where you're just trying to triage and treat and get guys back on the field and patch and band-aid, it's like, well, what if we hit this before it happens? Right. Yes. Like now everyone says injury prediction or, or injury, re, injury reduction and, and, uh, and stuff like that. But really it's, sometimes it's just easy opening up communication pathways. Yeah. I can't tell you how many times a player has had a soft tissue strain and they said, man, you know, I was kind of feeling tight, but I just, and so, you know, implementing free wellness questionnaires tracked over time, right? Just you're using your stopwatch of time on field measured over time. Hey, are you monotonous or do you have good variation within your training? Right. Um, you know, and, and some simple like um, prep strategies, pre-practice, whether it be through modalities in the sports medicine or whether it just be, hey, we're going to open up our front hip, activate our glutes, you know, open up three planes of motion from a prep, then go into their full team stretch. Maybe it just keeps them from a, in a buffer zone from having a strain. Yeah. And that's just forced communication or collision communication, we call it. Yeah before they get onto the field and that's gold yes Collision because as you know from a i love yeah, that yeah and as you know like one of our pts uses that all the time and as you know if we have one player get a soft tissue strain and there's a group of eight wide receivers well now those seven are taking on the workload of eight yes right and so yeah. it's a snowball effect so if you save one you save multiples yeah that's smart oh. and, and something yeah. else that you mentioned that i think is really smart and, and I think this is really critical in a lot of areas of life, not just sports science, but this idea of everything has to be optimal or perfect versus just starting, right? Like yeah. how many times have great ideas or great people been kind of just stuck because they're so focused on, oh, it's got to be perfect versus no, I just have to start and I'll figure it out as I go, right? Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of truth to that because if you're waiting to be perfect, like you're never going to get started. <laughs> Absolutely. That's just, that's just the, just the simplicity of it. Absolutely. Okay. So another question that came up as you were talking through this, because every sport, especially professional sport has different guidelines with how much interaction you can have in season, off season, all that stuff. Yep. You guys, I feel like are very limited and I'm not, this isn't a judgment call. This is just like reality. You guys can be limited in the amount of time you get with athletes in the off season. So you're relying on other people to yeah. take care of them and do the right things and make sure that they're actually preparing them 
not just getting them ready for the Instagram combine. So, (laughs) so with that being said, when you get somebody in, how do you kind of get a baseline for where they're at, at the start of the season? Mm, Great question. Um, And this is something that's evolved for us over the years, right? Everything from gosh, 10 years ago with FMS functional movement screens, right? And then it's kind of like, well, Hey, we want to test some other things. So then you start incorporating your own in-house tests combined with FMS and then then it becomes a, maybe it's a 3D maps movement screen um, that measures three planes of motion, measure it's what or, or maybe it's a joint angle, yeah. you know, side to side differences. Sure. Maybe it's force plate jumping. Um, we really like here just the exercise being the test, test being the exercise. I yeah. mean, I, I hate to say that it's that simple, but there's things that we do from a, if we program correctly on the front end in the weight room, some of our introductory blocks of lifting should give us the measurements that we need to understand where they are. Yes. And then, but we we do a lot of different jumps um, on the force plates to understand where they are and then have that baseline data from years before to compare it against. So that's helpful. And then um, just making sure that our introductory warmups on the field and I don't even want to call it a, it's not a conditioning test. It's more of an, a fitness assessment, right? Like can yep. they hand, how are they handling? How are they responding to that minimal dose on the field mm-hmm. and then adjusting accordingly to an individual level a little bit, just to get them up to speed where their tissues and their joints can handle those movements. And then just progressing yep. underneath the, the tried and true principles and concepts of, of the profession. No, I love it, man. And again, this comes back to a, an interview I did with Zach Daykent, who's a baseball strength coach at TCU. And yep. we were talking about, in this case, the context was shoulder health, right? Because baseball players, shoulders, elbows, you're always worried about those. And I was like, man, what's the secret sauce? And he said, uh, it's the whole program. You know, so often <laughs> right. we want to focus in on, oh, just if you do this one thing, or if you just add this into your program versus no, man, like the whole program kind of feeds us in this right direction. And it's checking a lot of little boxes along the way that sets you up for success. Yeah. And it's, it's a big push too right now for me personally is, is getting shared collaboration, not only yeah. between a lot of times in-house that doesn't happen, but it definitely doesn't happen team to team, organization to organization. Yeah. And that's, that's crazy for a profession. Like we could send another uh, sport or another team, everything that we do, but it wouldn't mean anything. There's no context behind it. They probably have different athletes. They probably run a different scheme. Right. So, so there's really in this day and age with information sharing and through different uh, digital channels, nothing's new. Right. No one has any secret sauce. People might think they have secret sauce. They just don't. Right. No. The secret sauce. And I love that you brought that up. The secret sauce is in the people. Yes. Yep. It's in the people and the clinicians. I think some people are relying too much on tech and this is crazy for me to say as a, as a director of sports science, but the tech should enhance your gut. It should enhance your expertise as a coach. It shouldn't drive it. Right. And so for us, um, sharing should be, cause you can get bigger data sets. You can just understand, um, risk management a little bit better with athletes. So I think sharing is the future for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I love that. Okay, so two-part question here, because you've been doing this for a while, and I would love to hear your thoughts on this. Number one, how did you first start introducing load management into your programs? Like, take us into way back, whatever it was, 10 years ago, whenever you start doing this, what did it look like then? And then fast forward to 10 years or wherever to where you're at now, if you could go back in time, how would you change that to make that initial inception better? Gosh, um, I would have... Probably the biggest thing that would have made us better was was being a little bit more process driven at the beginning. But at the same time, we didn't know what we didn't know. You know, so it was kind of in beta stage and and we're tracking and we're measuring and we're trying to understand the data. But even some of our our methodologies weren't as good, you know, but sometimes that happens because you're in the trenches, you're in the team sports setting, you're not in a lab setting. So, So some things I look back and you know, you look back five years ago, you're like, man, when I was doing that and putting out some of those reports, I was really good. And you look at it now, you're like, man, that was terrible. <laughs> right. Like, like right. how did, how did people buy into that? Yeah. You know? Yeah. But I think that just happens with the, with the advancement and the progression, but that's how we got started was really just 
leading from one thing to another, measuring, trying to better understand, ask more refined questions, um, but really dialing in the question we wanted to answer, um, I think helps. And then um, setting up a really good process on the front end. Yeah. I can't stress that enough. I mean, gosh, this last year, um, we committed to not implementing really anything new, but refining our process, right? You can go really wide and you have to stretch yourself a little bit with doing new things. Yeah. But then as that trims itself off, you should be refining that, leaning that out to make it more accurate. And then you can expand back out again. So it's kind of this cyclical flow of that. I gotcha. So this may seem like a silly question to you, but I think I have a thought and I think most people listening have a thought, but I'd love for you to confirm this for me. When you talk about the process, what does yeah. that mean to you? Does that mean like day to day, like when people are coming in, how you collect the data, how you yeah. curate it, clean it up? Like, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Uh, for me, a process is number one, defining a goal of why you're doing it. Okay. Right. Define your goal. What do you, what's your overarching um, aim to achieve? And then understanding what concepts and principles that supports that goal. Okay. Um, I think there's so many times where what, what we believe works here for our performance staff and say, Hey, these are the concepts and principles that we believe in that are backed on tried and true scientific principles. If it doesn't align with that, it doesn't matter what that tech is and how good it is. We don't mess with it. Yeah. So it has to be um, concept and principle driven. And then there has to be a process that, that is efficient. Yes. that works within our team sport that doesn't mess up our normal daily, weekly rhythm. Uh, like and then, and then um, really the collection process of how we're getting that information in, how we're analyzing it. And then, okay, maybe you get to that point. I can't tell you how many times I've walked in uh, my boss's office and it was like, buddy, the elf with the Etch-a-Sketch, right? Hey, we're going <laughs> to do all these things. And you got to shake it up and he's, cause he's like, Hey, what, what are you going to change from that? That's like, man, right. I, why, yeah, why didn't I think about that? Like, right. what, how are you affecting change? How are you, you know, my, uh, my boss always says, uh, implementation is the graveyard for great ideas. <laughs> right. right. And it just I is, love right. Yeah. There's so many times where we'll go down this road. Hey, we're collecting this stuff. We're measuring it. It's really cool. Like, Oh, we, we can't affect change in that anyway. So that have, and then having that on paper, like is rudimentary as that sounds, there's sometimes stuff gets going so fast. If you don't have it on paper, you can't backtrack. So there's things I would have loved to just take better notes uh, when I first started. Yeah. Um, have a systematic process that's repeatable. Just and that's that's sports science, sports performance, data collection 101. Yeah. And doing that well is is just enables you to fast track faster down the road. Yeah. So yeah, stuff that used to take us a couple of years when we first started is now taking us months now. That's because awesome. if we get a new tech in, it's like, hey, we've done this before. Here's our process. Let's set this framework up. Let's set this system up and then let's measure, repeat it. Here's our change. Let's go. That's awesome. That's so cool. Yep. Okay. Yep. So I saved this one for later in the show because what I never want people to do is to listen to somebody like yourself and be like, oh, well, he's in the NFL. I can't do this. So I'm not going to pay attention. Yep. Right. So what I want to know from you is. You know, you've done this for a while now. What tools and tech are you using right now? Maybe why have yep. you found them valuable? And then on the flip side of that, let's say you go from the NFL to Reseda High. You're working with a shoestring budget. Like, what would yep. you take from your experience here and try and implement there? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, we've started out from, at first, we got into GPS tracking. Uh, we were using Catapult. Uh, a lot of teams were at that point. We were probably one of the first teams that kind of started to adopt that. Uh, and then we transitioned to Zebra, which is an RFID system, mm -hmm. right? Because that was just more effective and efficient for us. Yep. Um, we didn't have to go charge and collect 90 units. We could turn them off from a local positioning system. And that was better for us. But there's things that Catapult offered that we love that we don't have with Zebra. Advice, every technology has right. its plus and minus. Sure. Um, we use Polar Pro. Um, to understand like our response to training a little bit from a heart yep. rate side. Uh, we use valid force X from a force plate measuring side. There's a lot of good force plates out there. We use Nordboard. We built our own wellness questionnaire. I mean, nice. now, and, and we have some sharp people here from a, from a data or web developing side. So we built our own athlete management system. 
Now it looked like, you know, the elementary school colored it in crayon when we first started. <laughs> right. And now it's just got to really, it's really, really good. Yeah. Um, but I think that's, that's, that's the majority of what we use here. Uh, we also use uh, gym awares from a velocity based training side. Sure. Um, and, and some of the stuff that we do, like our wellness questionnaire and some of the stuff that we just manually track is just simple and, and keeping good, good data good notes, collection yeah. on it, good notes on it. Right. Yeah. Like, um, so that's what we use here and, and we've made that really efficient. Um, if I went to a high school with a shoestring type budget, like you mentioned, there's so many cool apps out there now. There's that, you know, the my sprint app, the my jump app. Um, there's contact mats. Um, number one, I'm 100% probably buying a hundred dollar GPS watch and putting it on different position individuals and just developing some positional norms. Yeah. Like that's, that's, that's easy, right? Like yeah. if you don't do that and you're training your whole team, let's say you're training a lacrosse team, well, you probably shouldn't train your mids and your forwards and your defense the same way and your goalie the same way. Right. But if you don't have a positional norm, so you don't have a demand of what they have to achieve, you can't work backwards and, and, yes. and progress to it. But people is usually on the field, just go to train guys the same way, yes. but they don't train people the same way with different targets in the weight room. Well, Hey, that guy will never squat 500 pounds <laughs> right. compared to that guy. Right. Like, right. So we should, we should really marry those two concepts together. Um, so I would do that. And then, with some of the easy like form stacks, Google Docs, stuff like that, I would develop a wellness questionnaire yep. and have guys fill it out. I think that is so validated in the research. And and then I would just simply track our time on field. Yeah. And put in put a coach RPE to it, put a performance RPE to it, and put a player RPE to it and track it over time and say, hey, over time, our workload looks identical. Like this doesn't make any sense or Hey, over time, here's our pinch points of when we're too low when we're too high. Oh, Hey, this week we have really good within week variation. Our response to training was great. Here's what we need to repeat. I think there's a lot you can do with little. Yes. I yes. really, really do. Well, and, and again, this comes back to the concept we talked about earlier, optimal or perfect, right? Like, Hey, and pro sports, you have nearly unlimited resources. Right. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you can't do an amazing job and definitely level up what you're doing, even on a shoestring budget or on a very low budget. Yeah, it goes back to the McDonald's concept. Like if I'm in high school, I'm doing I'm going to try and do burgers and fries and yeah. better than all the other uh, high schools around me. Yeah. I love and try it. and gain an edge. Right. Like yes. if my players are a little bit um, a little bit fresher, a little bit more ready. Uh, it's funny. Um, Darren Burgess told me this and I'll never forget it. When I first started, he said, Hey, Tyler, all this stuff, you're going to go down. He said, none of this is going to help you win any games. And I'm like, dude, I'm not doing any of this. Thing. Like, <laughs> right. He said, but it might keep you from losing a few. Uh -huh. And I was like, you know what? That really makes sense because he's like, if you didn't on, on sports that are so uncontrolled and so variable, a few boxes that you could prepare for and check. And if those would have kept you from losing a game and you didn't check them, but they were controlled, you actually could. Why wouldn't you? Yeah. I said, you're exactly right. So if I'm in high school, I'm doing some of those simple, simple things to try and do the best for the athlete. You know, yeah. maybe that athlete goes on to get a scholarship. Maybe yeah. that team sport wins a championship, but at least you can help enhance that and get to that point. I love it. A couple things I want to mention here. Number one, a couple losses across 16 games or a couple more wins. It's a big deal. That's a big deal no in your doubt. world. And no doubt. Furthermore, I have talked to Darren Burgess exactly twice in my life, both been on the podcast, and I love that guy. Oh, he's amazing. He is so yeah. smart. Like, he's seen it from so many different angles. Like, I just really enjoy his thought process. He's yep. he's awesome. Okay, big question time, my friend. If you yep. could alter the space-time continuum and give young yep. Tyler Williams one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, that one's probably pretty easy. I would, uh, I would read read and read some more mm. and it's that old edge of knowledge is power and it's just there's no really shortcuts and i would just what i mean i read so much now but man i look back i'm like man if i would have read more when i was a kid if i would have dove into more to the education understood some of those things i'd be so much farther than what i am now um i think it'd just be reading yeah. for sure that's I, an easy one i love that what are you reading right now uh i just finished um really a professional development book called um the talent war. Okay. 
And there's, it's so much about how you develop a player talent, okay. even from a professional side, but yeah. also how you onboard mm. and how you, how you hire. Um, if your secret sauce, like we talked about early, is your people, not your tech, well, you really should put a lot of resources into having a great process of hiring and onboarding yep. and understanding how to delineate roles and responsibilities and then develop talent and having a great system with that. And the book's phenomenal. In it. Oh, I phenomenal. need to check that out. I am. Yeah. I, I was not as a youngster, but I'm definitely a reader now. So I can uh, agree with that. Same. I need to check that book out. That sounds awesome. Oh, it's, it's really good. All right. I'll check it out. Okay. Last but not least, lightning round. So five yep. fairly short questions. Your answers can be as long or short as you like. All right. Yep. Number one, what's your career highlight so far as a coach? Career highlight, I would say really achieving uh, uh, interdisciplinary collaboration. I think that's not done at a lot of places. Uh, we're a one voice, one message, one band, one sound. And man, does that really, the athletes see that and feel it. That's awesome. And so do our coaches. Uh, and really probably just no real main big highlights, but seeing those, seeing those athletes that do get injured from a sports medicine side and return to play. Yes. And, and when they are down in the dumps and they don't think that they can make it back and to see them do what they love, that's, that's priceless. That's awesome. I love yeah. that, man. Okay. Number two, what yeah. advice would you have for someone who wants to get started in this world of sports science and load management? Yeah. Take it slow, cast a wide net, reach out to people, try and consume a lot of information. You know, don't try and fast track it. Don't try and say, Hey, what's your, what's your schedule? How can I mimic what you're doing? You know, go learn, go read all the papers on Alan McCall, on Tim Gabbitt, on, you know, Darren Burgess, you know, Aaron Coots, read, yeah. read some stuff like that. That's out there. And really don't just, don't be scared to fail. Don't wait for that. Perfect. Like we talked about. Yes. I'm going to just chime in here with a discussion I had the other day and we were talking about, you know, how do you hire someone? And it comes yeah. down to like, if I'm looking to hire someone and if I'm in your space and they're not reading those people, if I ask you like, who are you reading? Who are you learning from? And you're not mentioning those people, you're probably not getting the job. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be educating yourself. You've got to be educating yourself. You got to be driven. You kind of have this rage for mastery. You got yeah. to, and it's just, yeah, you got to have that for um, sure. And that's, that's that, that tell war book goes right through that. It's, it's uh, really good. I'm going to have to get it, man. Okay. Number yep. three, what's the biggest lesson you've learned since implementing load management into your programming? Ooh. Um, really, there's a couple of times I've done this where I've kind of almost let the tech get ahead of itself. Yeah. Um, and, and really we kind of had to kind of back ourselves up just a little bit and, um, and really let our expertise drive it, let our guts drive it, let our, let our, our science principles drive it. Yep. So I would say the biggest lesson I learned is just don't let the, don't let the tech drive your decision. Let your expertise continue to drive your decision-making, trust your gut, trust your coach's eye, you know, use all those things to enhance what you've spent your life learning. Yeah. No, that's great advice. Okay. Number four, yep. you've spent 14 years in one place in professional yeah. sport. That's a yeah. big deal. That's a, that's yeah. a huge deal. Actually. What yeah. do you attribute that success and that longevity to? Uh, first and foremost, I mean, just, you know, God bless me with putting me in just the position I'm in number one, but, um, number two, really attributing it to having great mentors, attaching yourself to good leaders, yep. um, that, that can withstand different changes, um, and th them being the right people. Again, the people are the, are the secret sauce and, and then just hard work. Yeah. You know, there's, there's a lot of times where this wasn't my main job to start. And so when I'd go home at night, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm kind of taking myself through kind of my own school almost, if you will, right? You're just, yep. hey, I'm, I'm reading, 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 gaining knowledge, reading books, and just putting in the hard work. I mean, I think our best player on our team um, showcases that, you know, Aaron Donald is our hardest worker on our team. Right. And so there's a lot of times where he's the best player, uh, best defense player in the league. He could easily say, hey, uh, I'm the best player. I'm not doing this, this, or this, <laughs> right. But he's, he's the one always running to the ball. He's the one grinding on film work. He's the, he's the hardest worker. Yeah. So that's just a phenomenal thing to have. Wow. That's awesome, man. That's what you need, right? You need somebody to yeah. lead from the front. That's right. 
Okay. Number five, last but not least, what's yep. next for Tyler Williams? What are you working on? What are you excited about? Anything? Uh, really just understanding just different sport demands, position demands at a granular level. But really, I'm at this stage in my career where I really want to try and progress the profession and progress yes. and drive the needle forward on on what true sports science is as a collaborative component of your performance program. Yeah, I love that, man. Well, yeah. hopefully this uh, this starts that process, man, because yeah. like I said, doing recon on you was not easy, my friend. Yeah. You know, we had yeah. to uh, dig in a little bit, but I think this is great. And I know the people yeah. that are listening are going to take a lot away from this. So that's great, man. Tyler, it's been awesome having you on. Where can my listeners find out more about you and all the great work that you're doing? Um, really? I mean, I guess, shoot, they could hit me a message on Twitter, um, at, at Ty will T Y W I L L four H and really my email, they could hit me up T Williams at rams.nfl.com. Awesome. So well, more than happy to anyone that wants to reach out. Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'll make sure we get those in the show notes. And again, man, this is great having you on. Thanks so much for being on the show. Yep. Yeah. Mike, thanks a lot. Really appreciate it. My friend, that does it for this week's show with Tyler. Really hope you enjoyed it. I know I took a ton away from this episode. It was great catching up with him. And, you know, I think a big part of this podcast is trying to expose not only you, but myself as well to all of the great disciplines we have in our field now, whether people are in sports science, whether they're rehab professionals, whether they train little kids or professional athletes, whether they work in a rehab environment. I think the more different areas of our field that we can expose ourselves to, the better our industry can be, the better communication we can have, the better we can understand what everybody is dealing with and what we're up against. So even if you're not a quote unquote sports scientist, I hope you took something away from this episode. And I just want to give a quick shout out to my guy, Sean Muldoon. Sean Muldoon works for the Seattle Sounders. He was on the uh, podcast, uh, I believe maybe a couple months ago. I don't know, after a while, everything runs together. But I think Sean is directly responsible for at least 10, maybe as many as 15 or 20 uh, podcast guests that we've had on the show. Tyler was one of them. So thanks, Sean, for uh, connecting us because, man, I had a great time catching up with him. So that does it for this week's show, my friends. As always, thank you so much for your support. Love and appreciate you. And we'll be back next week with our next episode. Take care. <laughs>